WBNE. Hello, my name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And I am the host of this podcast that you're listening to, That's What I'm Tolkien About, where I am experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time. As a part of Podbean Storytelling Week, I am joined today by Mike Schubert of Potterless, and we are going to talk about our experiences of consuming these very famous works of fiction in the ways that we did. Welcome, Mike. Hello. I'm always impressed that people would think a name as simple as Mary Clay would be too challenging, but I, I don't put anything past anyone these days. I've got low expectations of the world, <laughs> seeing as we couldn't ask people to, to put cloth in front of their face to help people not die. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. When you grow up with two names, you learn to have low expectations of the world. It's truly Here, So is it, is it, is Mary Clay the first name? It's a two word first name, not Mary Mary and then so Clay Mary is, the is name? my first name. Okay. And Clay is my middle name. Okay. It is nonsense. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um, f- uh, before we jump into our conversation, I want to date when we are recording this. Yes. This is, we are recording on June 9th. Um, and I believe this will be coming out um, for Podbean Storytelling Week uh, at the end of July. So a good month from now. Two, mm-hmm. Wait, two months. Why did my brain think we were at the end of June right now, despite the fact that I literally just said it's June 9th? It's like the classic thing where if you have a meeting, like if I have a 12.30 p.m. meeting, once it's over and it's one o'clock, I think, well, now this is the end of the day now. (laughs) It's over. So (laughs) we're nine days into June. The month is over right now. We have to already start thinking about July. It is the end of June. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this episode won't come out um, for Podbean Storytelling Week for people who are listening for that event. It was was a month and a half ago at the time we were recording this and then i have no clue when i'm gonna publish this on my main feed okay um it could be it could be november or <laughs> 2022 or it could be the the second week of august i don't know bold of you to assume that the world will still be around in 2022 <laughs> who knows <laughs> So if we talk about anything and you're like, I can't believe they didn't bring up the great comet of July 4th. Right. That's why um, that hasn't happened to us yet. So a bit of background for who we are. I have been going through the works of J.R.R. Tolkien for the very first time, including the books and the movies. And as we are recording, I am actually almost done reading The Hobbit. Um, And then I will be going, I think at the time that this episode will come out for Podbean Storytelling Week, I will be starting my coverage of the Hobbit movies. Um, And then why don't you tell the the folks about your your story and, and Potterless and everything? Sure. So Potterless is a podcast that I create. It documents me going through the Harry Potter series for the first time as an adult. So I never read the books as a kid. And I started the podcast when I was 24. And I just went through a couple chapters at a time all the way through. I have now gotten to the point where I'm past the books, past the movies, past the spinoff stuff, and now I'm doing some some fun things, whether it's fan-made content like fan fiction or fan-made plays like Puffs. Uh, and also recently I just wrapped a recording on an episode covering the Lego Harry Potter games. So doing doing some of the really fun 
fun fun Harry Potter stuff there. And that's so that's, fun. that's where I'm at right now. And eventually I will be transitioning from doing Harry Potter stuff into Percy Jackson stuff. Same kind of situation where I've never read a single page of those books. So it'll be, again, me going into a fandom I know nothing about and starting to become more familiar with all aspects of it. Cool. That was actually one of the things I was um, wondering if we would talk about is like the history of or not the history, the future of like both of our our paths. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more scared of what I have to cover because Tolkien writes some very intense stuff. Oh. Um, and uh, he for um, those that don't know, there is a book called The Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. And it's a cinch. It, it was basically his son, uh, Christopher Tolkien, took together like any old stories or unpub- unpublished works um, and notes and pieced it together, basically, um, if I understand that correctly. And apparently it reads like both a history textbook and the Bible. Two, two notoriously easy to read books. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and like I have a couple random things that I want to cover, but other after that, it's like a huge black hole of of what I want, you know, of what I would be doing and, and wondering whether like, do I just get to a point where I'm like, I'm out of content that I want to cover or do I start going into more kind of like open ended episodes? I was thinking about maybe starting like themed episodes where I do an episode about like the music of the Lord of the Rings movies yeah, um, that's fun. And, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know about that. That, but it's not, so it sounds like then that you already know that you're going to jump into another series. Right. It was always the plan where Potterless, I knew I, eventually I would run out of Harry Potter stuff. And I never wanted to turn it into explicitly a fan fiction show because there's already a lot of great fan fiction podcasts out there. And I felt like that would be stepping on toes. And then also it just felt like I didn't I didn't want the podcast to come across as me really trying to milk it for all it's worth or really scrape at the barrel. I would rather go into something new and fun than really try to stretch thin the Harry Potter stuff. That was already the plan. And then the whole JK Rowling really revealing herself to be a terrible person situation expedited that a little bit so i've heard nothing but good things about percy jackson and rick riordan riordan i'm not exactly sure how to say his last name Mm -hmm. the internet won't give me a straight answer either i'll have to get him on the pod to to ask him directly but uh i've heard really good things about that series from the main books to the spinoff stuff and the upcoming tv show and i am now doing some prep for the podcast and i've read like the first five chapters of it and the books are really good like the first book is really solid so far so oh that's good am, that's really good to hear yeah i'm very excited <laughs> that i'm very you're enjoying excited. it <laughs> yes i'm enjoying it and uh just from everything i understand it is he is very not like jk in that he apologizes for past mistakes which is a novel concept that she's not familiar with and then also he tries to get better and has representation and gets other people involved in his spin-off books that come from the backgrounds where the mythology is based so seems like a good dude and i think it'll be nice to be covering a franchise that doesn't have such a a problem filled person at the head yeah i to- i totally get that 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 was another thing i was going to talk about is we obviously have very um we have different I'm very fortunate that J.R.R. Tolkien is dead and he is not on Twitter. <laughs> that's the that's the wildest thing about the JK stuff is like if she was just not on Twitter, no one would know. No, yeah. No if one she would had know just because she kept her mouth shut. Her, her, all the books like teach acceptance and love and that's what makes it really shocking. But that's that's the wildest thing is we explicitly know that she sucks 
because of Twitter. It's not even like there's weird there. I mean, I'm sure there are if you really dig. But for the most part, it hasn't been weird interviews. Obviously, there's some stuff in the books that haven't aged well looking back, but that happens with media and it's not a huge deal. People would probably assume like, oh, yeah, she's really fat phobic of the Dursleys, but all of the books are about love and acceptance. So maybe it's just because she wrote a book in the late 90s, early 2000s, and that's what people did. And uh, it's funny that if she just if someone just took her phone away from her, everyone still to this day would be like, wow, J.K. Rowling's a great person. Yeah. Look how look how thoughtful me, she is. Me included. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I. Um, I've just recently had to fill out like a questionnaire. Um, I just started a new job and one of the like it was like a you know getting to know you thing and one of them was like what living person do you most admire and I wanted to be like I admire no living person at this point anymore because <laughs> me <laughs> I, think I, put, I ended up putting Brie Larson you know it's <laughs> a good I choice Brie Larson um, but it used to like it fully used to be J.K. Rowling I fully her story is absolutely amazing how she was at rock bottom and then she came up with this idea and her determination and the fact that Harry Potter got rejected from like twelve different publishing companies and all this stuff and then she also was like i think one of the first women to lose i think either millionaire or billionaire status because she had donated so much money to mm-hmm. charity mm-hmm. and it's like that's amazing those are amazing things to look up to uh, as like a young woman and and someone who in my child you know uh as a teenager and stuff i wanted to be an author one day and stuff and then all of a sudden it's like ah oh, every person i know is terrible great mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, that's something that I have not had to deal with, thankfully, with That's What I'm Tolkien About, where I don't have to deal with J.R.R. Tolkien saying terribly problematic things. Um, However, um, I do still have to, I feel like it's been my, I feel like it's a a little bit of my responsibility that as I'm covering these uh, books and, and movies and stuff that were, let's see, the books were written, The Hobbit was written in, I think, 1930s. So, you know, it's going to enter public domain in the next decade or decade and a half. I don't know. Yeah, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And then Lord of the Rings was written in the 50s. So these were written a very long time ago. And Tolkien um, is the kind of like founder of the fantasy genre. And he Mm -hmm. set up a lot of very like problematic and harmful things in his work. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the movies, there were also some problematic aspects as well, too, with, with adaptations. So that's something that I feel like I've had to be responsible with that and and fully acknowledging that like hey it's 2020 i can't just pretend these things haven't happened totally it's something that i think at least some potterless listeners will get upset that i am you know in their words say like i'm holding old books to today's standards and i I get that too yeah i think the difference is that it it's not that we are it's different in the case of jk because now she sucks but uh like for the most part when this happens just outside of our two specific things it's it's less about holding things to today's standards in in light of expecting something written back then to be like to hold up to what we say but it's more of using it as a learning point to say you know in in 2003 or whatever wedding crashers was a top movie and everyone thought this is really funny and then now in the year 2021 it's like oh wow that is incredibly misogynistic and such a bad movie that no one should ever make again we're not blaming necessarily people for making it at the time because humor 
always changes and we learn how to be funny in ways that don't put people down and and all of these things that become people speak out how things are insulting it's just about trying to not make those same mistakes so that's why i appreciate someone like rick riordan or an author or a comedian or anyone that apologizes for things that they did whether they didn't realize it or they learned after the fact whatever it is we're not necessarily blaming people for doing something back then but it's more of just we now understand in the light of 2021 or whatever year it is ways that we can be better and it's just Mm -hmm. us trying to strive for content to be better so yes there's some stuff like eric silver came on uh an episode of potterless he's jewish he talked about how some anti-semitism tropes exist in harry potter and unfortunately a lot of those date back to Tolkien because mm-hmm. he sort of laid the the groundwork of what a lot of people say, oh, all elves are like this. All goblins are like this because they point to Lord of the Rings. It was one of the first things. And I think Tolkien has even apologized for some of, he wrote like a letter or whatever. Like there was, he, Eric talked about how he even admitted, ah, lo- looking back, this isn't great that I did this in the book. I'm going to try to adjust it from Hobbit to Lord of the Rings because World War II happened in between. So that's, that's, yeah, that's how old the books are. That's a pretty big world event to happen in between writing <laughs> right. the two most major works of fantasy. Yeah. A hundred percent. So. I th- I think that's just something that it's it, commentary that we both have to do. And I like that you said responsibility, even if some people are going to say that we're overreacting or we're being too critical or whatever. I think it's important for us to kind of just point out the shortcomings. And just because you point out shortcomings in anything that you like doesn't diminish your love for something if anything yes if anything yes it shows say it that louder you, for the people in the back totally like right? if, if anything it shows that you love it more because you want it mm. to be better if something was truly bad you wouldn't put in the care to point out what's good and bad about it you just throw it in the trash and like not even listen to it there's plenty of stand-up comedians that i'm not even gonna bother listening to because i know that they're saying things that are homophobic or sexist or whatever but for stuff that we love just to point out the faults doesn't mean we hate it it's just saying here's something that we wish they didn't do yeah and we like these other parts. We we are more critical of the others. It doesn't mean we don't like the thing. It's just part of mm-hmm. critiquing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like to say that uh, the reason I point out these uh, drawbacks and faults in Tolkien's work, and yes, there are drawbacks and faults. I've gotten a lot of people who are like, Lord of the Rings is perfect. And I'm like, it's not perfect. It's the not. dude spends more time describing trees than the reforging of Aragorn's <laughs> sword. This is true. This is a true statement. And it's because a lot of people, a lot of people look at Lord of the Rings and they look at Tolkien as this foundation and this blueprint for fantasy. And so I feel like um, if there are people who are, you know, right now, younger generations or younger creators who are wanting to write a fantasy book or, or write a fantasy movie or something, and they're looking to Tolkien for inspiration, they need to know, like, hey, you should not create um, dwarves the way that he created dwarves because right. it was based off of harmful stereotypes. And you should maybe think about creating more poc in a fantasy land you know like Mm -hmm. if there can be talking trees and dragons there can also be beautiful black elves who look as hot as orlando bloom you know yeah (laughs) totally totally so i think it's something that is important for 
people hosting podcasts or writing about or whatever, I think it's important to to bring up the shortcomings and not try to frame it in the way where this is so bad because this, but more of just here's a not so great element of the thing that we love. And yeah, like you're saying, if, if someone's trying to write a book now, if you are using something iconic like Harry Potter or Tolkien as a launching point, it's important to be aware of how things looking back, we have learned not to do them. And you can't just justify, well, oh, that's how they did it. And, th and that's something I would bring up when I, just in episodes of Potterless, beyond the specific just about anti-Semitism one that Eric led the discussion on, I brought up like, this feels anti-Semitic. This feels like a caricature of Jewish people. And people would try to justify it by saying, oh, well, that's just how goblins are. It's like, yeah. it, does, it's it, like, it literally doesn't have to be it. It's all made up. That's my thing. That's <laughs> like, my thing that I actually had like a flood of hate comments on TikTok once where I was like, <sighs> someone tried to say that the reason Middle Earth is has entirely like white people is because it had to be historically accurate. And I was like, historically accurate to what? Middle Earth is made right. up. It it yeah, didn't it's all need to be quote unquote historically accurate. You mm -hmm. could have he he invented it all. He made yeah. it all up. Uh -huh. He made it all up. He right. didn't have to make it up to be white, but he did, and that's what you know. That's what we're looking at now, and that's what we need to move past for the future. Yeah, and that's what I had a harder time with with Harry Potter because it is more rooted in reality, even though it is still completely fantasy. But it is more based on Europe, London the UK. Yeah. And something I brought up is just that for the most part, characters are white, but people would often send uh, emails or whatever to me saying that, well, if you actually look at the demographics of the United Kingdom, Hogwarts actually represents it pretty well because it's this percent white, this percent Indian, whatever. But also there's zero wizards in the real UK. So That's, I don't, yep. I don't care. It's all pretend make them ups. And it's so easy just to make someone have a aspect of diversity just for the sake of having it and making kids who are in that same boat feel like they are represented in the stories that they're reading. And I'm glad to see that that has changed in a lot of major media. We will all still love these stories regardless of, you know, if it's a good, if it's a good story, if, if the story is dependent on like your main characters being white, then it's probably it's, not a good story. Right. Uh, the, exactly especially especially when it comes to fantasy if you are doing something historical or if you are trying to to make a point and you need some sort of historical accuracy for it sure but specifically for fantasy when things are all make em ups and the rules are just whatever then yeah it's very easy to make your work diverse it is it is not that hard it's yeah. so simple mm-hmm it could be very simple, yeah. Totally. So uh, to shift us to maybe some more lighter, fun yeah. topics. <laughs> <laughs> now that everyone stopped listening. <laughs> I know, now that they're all gone. So a question that I get a lot that I never really know how to answer is, do you like Lord of the Rings now? Mm. And I'm like, it's a great story. I feel very comp. I have a very complex like answer to it where I can't, I can't separate how I experienced it from the actual story because when it boils down to it like the act of reading it was not fun it's long <laughs> but it's daunting what made it 
enjoyable was me getting to talk to all these different people about their passion and excitement for, you know, certain characters or certain moments in the books. Um, and the movies are good because I, I watched them for the first time in 2020 and they came out in 2001 to 2003. I'm so far removed from them that I'm like, yeah, they're fun movies, but they're very long and I <laughs> I have other things to do. So, yeah. I, like, I like Lord of the Rings, but I haven't... Um, I haven't felt like a, a huge like excitement over the content material like I do for other TV shows or, or books or movies or whatever that I really enjoy. So do you like Harry Potter? I do. I do like it. But I think that I feel some of the same things that you feel where I never just read it or watched it for fun. Anytime I read the books, I was actively taking notes while doing it. So I've never mm -hmm. just like read it for leisure. It was always active work. So I don't necessarily I don't necessarily have the desire to just pop on the movie just for fun or read the book just for fun. But I really do enjoy and what always gave me the most joy about Harry Potter is the community. When I go to Leaky Cons, the fan conventions around Harry Potter, it's just the happiest time because it's everyone just being their truest, nerdiest, happiest self talking about nerdy things. So even though I'm not going to even though I'm not going to necessarily pop open and reread the books, I'm also not someone that likes to read read or rewatch things I've already watched I would rather experience something new yeah so, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of the same way as well yeah yeah so I would rather read a new book or watch a new movie um, as opposed to read something I've already read before so I think that's another thing just me personally but I always enjoyed talking to people about Harry Potter fan theories or just having discussions or doing silly things on live shows or live stages or whatever it is like that is always fun to me it is a little hard with the jk rowling stuff now because it's you it, you can't mm -hmm. separate her from it people you can try to separate the author but i don't think people should do that but it, it does sour it a little bit mainly the main thing is that when there's new harry potter stuff coming out i am no longer happy because if it goes yeah. well that means money in jk's pocket and i don't want that i still have a lot of love for harry potter i still enjoy it but m i think it always was this way and now given the jk stuff i think it's even stronger that way where my favorite thing memory wise but also to continue to do is doing podcast episodes about it talking about it with friends being on other people's shows doing stuff at leaky con i think the strongest thing about harry potter is the community so that's always been the most fun thing so i would rather talk to someone about hypothetical things about a character we didn't learn about for an hour and a half rather than rewatch the first movie. Yeah, I agree with that too. Talking about the community, um, kind of maybe shifting gears to talking more about the the fandoms of these of these works. In the beginning, I felt really weird, um, especially as um, Tolkien about started gaining a little bit more traction and getting more of an audience. It felt really weird for me to be like this voice in a fandom that I couldn't fully participate in because otherwise I would have, you know, gotten spoiled on something. Mm -hmm. And it kind of does feel weird for me now too. Um, and someone I think asked me once was like, do you feel like you're a part of the community? Do you feel like you're an outsider? And I was like, I feel like I'm a little bit of both. And then I also think that might just be because like I'm, uh, I'm not like a 16 year old girl anymore where I'm like <laughs> excited to be part of fandoms and stuff. Did you ever go through go through any of that where you're like, I can't 
like really talk to you guys about these things yet, but listen to me talk about them. <laughs> yeah, I definitely went through it and it was hard because the whole shtick of Potterless was that I never read them and I knew some spoilers just because they were inescapable, but for the most part, I didn't know what happened in the story. And that was kind of fun because people had a vested interest in me not getting spoiled. So we had two separate Potterless Facebook groups where one, it was just, it was fair game to talk about anything that was covered up to in the podcast. And then the other one was a spoiler friendly one. So the spoiler one would, would have conversations about things that I was about to read or I had made a prediction and people were laughing about how it was wrong behind my back. Like that was kind of fun. It was hard when I was becoming, like you said, more of a, a voice in the community in that Potterless, thankfully, you know, got a really big audience behind it. So it was it was harder when it gained an audience and I hadn't finished the books yet because then I would like go to leaky cons, but I couldn't go to anybody's events because there might be a spoiler. Yeah, so I couldn't yeah. I couldn't like go to just random stuff. So I would just do my own things and then hang out in the green room or hang out in my hotel room. And I would make friends and I who were also Harry Potter podcasters and I would have them on my show, but I couldn't listen to their shows because I might get spoiled. Yeah, and that was I, all my, thing. I was the same way too. I had to like sample when I'm looking for guests, I would have to like sample their episodes and be like, okay, I think they'd be a good person to have on. And then I couldn't be like, oh, I listened to your show. It's a really good show. You know, I had to be right. like, I haven't listened to anything yeah. you've published, it was, <laughs> but I it promise w- I will. <laughs> it, yes, I had to do the exact same thing. And that was a little hard. So, yeah, I did feel a little bit like an outsider, but that was the whole point and i knew that was going to happen so i didn't i didn't feel ostracized and i knew that there were people having conversations about my approach to the series that i couldn't be a part of if they were talking about spoilers and stuff so i knew that even though i wasn't necessarily an active member my presence was and my existence was and it, it once i finished the books it was very cool because then i got to listen to shows and guests on shows and fully get sent memes and all this stuff and and i wouldn't have to be worried about being spoiled so that was really cool and the harry potter community was really accepting and welcoming and that's what made me really start to fall in love with the franchises like i didn't know how passionate the harry potter fans were and if you listen to early episodes of potterless when i started the show i thought the whole joke of it was going to be it's an adult that's never read them and he's just overly critical of kids books and it's going to be funny because i'm just going to dunk on these books because i'm taking too critical of an approach that this series warrants and the first 20 episodes of Potterless, I'm very grumpy and curmudgeonly. And then once I get halfway through book three, I fall in love with the series and I transition from dunking on it to just being a super fan of it. And I think that that's like a really fun part of this whole journey and it being documented. You can just hear how my appreciation for the the series changes. So that was really cool. And if the community wasn't so accepting, they could have just listened to the first episode and said, this guy's making fun of the thing that we like. Let's just not even give him a chance. But everyone kind of did that SpongeBob smiling at uh, Squidward when he doesn't want to admit that he likes the Krabby Patty thing. Like everyone (laughs) smiled and just thought like, he'll come around. And the fact that everyone had the patience and the confidence that I would become a a fan of it after starting as such a curmudgeonly boy was, was very cool and very fun. And I always felt accepted and people like people were rooting for me, even though I couldn't fully 
take in all the stuff and, and participate in conversation. Yeah. Um, that actually kind of uh, leads into a question. Um, I asked for questions on my Discord server or our Discord server for WBNE. If you want to become a member, you can go to patreon.com slash Pod. And Mots asks, um, do you feel like the fandoms have been mostly accepting of you despite your less than normal way of consuming, of consuming these stories? Or do you feel like these communities have been extremely gatekeeping? So it kind of sounds like, I mean, at least for me, whenever I was telling people, oh, I'm experiencing it for the first time and I'm doing it on this podcast, people were like, that's so fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I could experience it all again for the first time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, the overwhelming voice of the fandom was, if anything, people were, oh, I'm so, like you just said, I'm so jealous that I don't get to experience it for the first time. And that's what I think had people enjoy the show is you had my over-the-top criticism stuff of pointing out little tiny things that don't make sense, whether it's me tearing down the scoring system of Quidditch or just pointing out like they changed the name of the put outer halfway through the series. Um, But there was that. But then also there was when it got to me just fully being in love with the series, people got to feel that nostalgia for I remember when I saw this character fall in love or when this character passed, I was so sad. So for a lot of people, it was the closest they could get to reliving it was watching someone else do it. And then similarly, you got to watch a full adult do it so you people could kind of live vicariously through that but i'm sure there's a lot of people who dislike me and and dislike my approach and i and i understand that that's fine i think there was some ill will towards it and i'm sure there's a lot that i didn't see but for the most part people have been very accepting and welcoming and the only other time i really saw that was once jk started showing that she was not the best person I very much decided to use my platform for as much good as possible and point out exactly mm-hmm. why her views are wrong. Talked about it in a bunch of episodes, had Jackson Bird, a trans man, on and just gave a 20-minute kind of talk about from his perspective why it is harmful and all of that. And I got a lot of emails and messages where people are saying I was being too harsh on her, which is not true, and that it's just her opinions, which is not true, and how I was misreading what she was saying, which I'm not. And I, I lost uh, I lost some listenership and, and people wrote some mean things to me but if that's if that's how i'm gonna go down because i'm calling out transphobic people so be it i do not want people listening to the podcast it also happened a little bit when i would make allusions of things that happened with the corrupt government in the harry potter books to the corrupt government that started in 2016 in the united states there's some people who uh (laughs) thought i should keep politics out of harry potter even though a lot of the books are about corrupt government yeah yeah, i was gonna say (laughs) do they not know about the existence of the ministry of magic yeah like the whole point of it is that it shows you the dangers of a corrupt government yeah so uh i've definitely ruffled some feathers along the way but i would say overwhelmingly positive accepting and not gating which was really really nice yeah Mm-hmm. As a contrast, oh no, not the- oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> everyone hates me. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm very lucky that for the majority of the existence of this podcast, and um, pretty much up through, um, I think it was maybe when I was starting my coverage of the Return of the King movie. I kept saying like, oh, I'm so lucky that I'm on the fun side of the Lord of the Rings fandom. The people who are interacting with my posts on social media um, are usually just like excited to hear like a funny joke or uh, or like a new theory or a new perspective or something on it. And then 
all of a sudden it hit the fan and I was getting um, the Instagram account actually for this podcast started getting a lot of traction. And I would say the majority of people who follow that account have no clue it's associated with this podcast Mm. or that the person who runs it doesn't know everything about, you know, Tolkien, because if I can brag on myself, I make some pretty fire Lord of you the Rings do. memes. You make some good memes, and I always appreciate that. If if one ever comes across my timeline, I throw it your way just in case you haven't seen it. Yo, I appreciate that so much. I, like every now and then I open my Twitter and I have a DM from Mike Schubert, and it's a Lord of the Rings meme. And I'm like, I'm so glad that he's found enjoyment out of this and thought enough to send it to me. Yeah, I all of a sudden started uh, started off with the misogynist. Mm. So that was fun. Mm. Um, how I was, I was like, yeah, it's really cool that Eowyn kills the Witch King. It doesn't make up for the fact that she is one of three women in a movie series that has five billion characters where even the talking trees are men. <laughs> um, and people were like, well, you can't, you know, like kind of like we were talking about, you can't hold it up to the standards right. of today. And I'm like, did y'all not know that like women did? In they fact did exist. exist. <laughs> they always have. In the 1900s. <laughs> they were there too. Um, yeah, it started out with that, and then I went into, I think I, I went into homophobia mm. territory, because I was making some memes and TikToks about Frodo and Sam, and then uh, I completed the trifecta by getting uh, some racists in the mix. Oh. Yeah, so that was really fun. It was very like eye-opening for me of like... Because people had warned me that the Lord of the Rings fandom could be pretty toxic. And I actually, I mean, I will say, I think any any fandom oh, will be toxic. Yeah, any 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 100%. any fandom is going to have a small subset and it's it's always going to happen. It just depends on how big or small that subset becomes. Yeah. yeah. And I think unfortunately the Lord of the Rings fandom has a um because it was, you know, written by a white guy in the 1900s, I think mm-hmm. it has a much larger like toxic percentage than than some other fandoms might. Right. It's not like the Lord of the Rings books are explicitly like the bad guys in the Harry Potter books are racists. So the book teaches you to not be that and you know the the books it's they preach acceptance and love and all that kind of stuff so i think harry potter i was fortunate in that the fandom people who are really into it usually get the message behind the books not always but usually yeah and then i had people being like it's not about blank it's about war and destruction and i'm like it's not about any of that either but whatever yeah i would just kind of i was just very much like oh there's still a lot of these toxic fans out there And, Um, and, and i think it makes sense that you came across that with social media because i think as part of podcasting what's nice is that the type of people who listen to podcasts like ours just by nature of it being long-form content that you really have to like analysis of the thing to even want to listen to yeah what we do yeah no one's gonna you can um i've learned that this is a term you can hate follow or hate watch Mm -hmm. certain people on on youtube or you know following people you hate on instagram or whatever yeah a podcast is like are you really gonna hit the 15 second forward (laughs) button for a full hour (laughs) episode just to listen to some girl you don't like talk about lord of the rings like no no one's gonna do that but yeah i would say for the most part that podcast listeners as an audience are like more accepting and i've done all sorts mm-hmm. of content creation where I've, I've seen it i did youtube i did vine 
I did podcasting and with the longer form stuff, you definitely get a more accepting audience, which is really nice. And yeah, I've, I've run into some, some people that aren't as accepting, but, and it usually does come in, in social media. And it is funny that you can even see differences within them. Like reactions to Potterless Twitter are usually more positive. Whereas anytime I do a Facebook owned entity, so either Facebook or Instagram, that's when I get more of the, uh, more of the hate comments. That's so odd. I wonder how that happens. Cause I see the, I, have kind of have the same thing where like I could post the same post on Twitter and Instagram and get completely different reactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder why that is. I, I and it's either that the algorithms on Twitter do a better job of making you only see the stuff that you want to see, or more more liberal kind of people gravitate towards Twitter, whereas you know Facebook and Instagram you can have more of the conspiracy theory type folks that are going to yeah. get angry about you saying things like trans people are real people which is not a inflammatory statement at all but yeah. when you come into Facebook people are going to be like actually they don't matter Blasphemy. and i hate them what a terrible statement you're going to burn in how how dare you accept people <laughs> i'm angry um. <laughs> I actually, I got asked this question recently and it made me kind of stop and wonder, did you ever feel a pressure to cover things a certain way or react to things a certain way based on um, like the vibe you got from the fandom and like how they felt about something? I never really did just in that... I think the only time I really got into that was when I was getting past the the canon stuff. I knew how people generally felt about I knew how people generally felt about them because, for example, ever since I started making it, people would email me like, you got to watch a Harry Potter musical. You're going to love it. It's so good. And then I watched it and I was like, this is fine. There's also a lot of really yikes jokes in this. So I I felt it wasn't that I felt pressure like I have to do this because the first episode that I covered a Harry Potter musical, I had someone that loved it. And the second episode where I covered a Harry Potter musical, I had someone who hated it. And I did get a lot of backlash for that episode, but I didn't care because because I thought it was important to be like, hey, this thing that you like, it's it's funny, but there's also lots of misogynistic jokes in this. And you shouldn't. It's OK if you, you know, back in 2010 or whenever it came out, you thought it was funny. But I don't know. You got to go back and realize that it's not great. Bo Burnham's most recent stand up special came out. I watched it and loved it. And in preference, I watched his old specials and I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in here that's not good. And there and even has a whole he has a whole bit about right. that, too. His entire Man. thing where he explains it. And that's OK. So I don't know. I, I had like expectations in that. I know that people, for the most part, liked a thing or didn't like a thing. But I, I never really let that shape my my coverage of it. I think I had the benefit of since my whole thesis statement behind the podcast was me taking a different approach to Harry Potter. I wasn't worried about liking something that people didn't like or the reverse just because I, I, I thankfully by the time I got into the stuff that people had more divisive opinions on some people love Harry Potter musical some people hate it some people love puff some people hate it whatever it is uh I had built up enough of a of a people like understanding that uh, and enough of a voice of who I am that people kind of knew how I would react to stuff uh so when I dunk on crimes of Grindelwald it's not a huge surprise and when I praise puffs or Lego Harry Potter it's it's not a huge surprise either and specifically what I have a trouble doing is when I'm doing an episode with a guest, I, I it's hard for me to 
push back against what the guest feels because I want I don't want the podcast episode to feel like an argument. Yo, so I a criticism. I feel that it's hard. Like <laughs> yes, you want to be able to like stand your ground, but at the same time, no one likes to listen to people argue. So yeah. I think a critique and it's valid is like sometimes people will say that I I'm kind of become too agreeable with however the guest feels, but like. It is just hard, especially if the guest is someone that you don't know well. It is yeah. hard to push back on them a lot and not feel like you're being a mean person. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's so funny you bring that up because sometimes I'll be editing and I'll hear myself respond to something the guest said and I'll be like, why did you say that? You don't think that mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. You actually really loved this part of of the chapter and then your guest said they didn't like it and then you started ragging on it too like why did you do that and Mm -hmm. yeah it is really a hard like balance of being like this has to be enjoyable for people to listen to right (laughs) and this is also i try to be at least kind of similar to what you're saying where i try not to let whatever outside influences are affect my opinions of it, whatever it is that I'm talking about. Because like the whole point of the podcast is that people are listening to me experience it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And hearing and hearing my reactions. And so when people were hearing me say that I hate Boromir and what are some other beloved? Oh, I hate Sam. I don't really hate Sam that much anymore. Um, That's good. He's That's okay. Good. Um, <laughs> but like I had a lot of contrary opinions that people were very upset about. And then I think I, I will be interested to see what happens with the Hobbit movies because they are supposedly absolutely terrible movies. Yeah, it is easier. Uh, <laughs> it is easier to if something is bad. It's easier to like dunk on it and people agree with you. It's also easier if you like a thing that is generally bad. It's not as contentious as if you say bad things about a thing people really like. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. that is I think that is harder. So and I think um I have a pretty low bar in terms of like my enjoyment for movies mm. where it's pretty much just like, did I come out of the theater having enjoyed experiencing the movie? Yes. Good. Then I thought it was a good movie, mm-hmm. um, which is why. I don't mind the Fantastic Beasts movies. All right. like, okay. I thought they were fun. I thought they were very fun. Do they have some issues? Sure. And so I feel like I might have that opinion with the Hobbit movies. Again, by the time people are listening to this, <laughs> you might already know what my opinions are of the Hobbit movies. Um, but that might be something that's divisive. But um, oh, actually, the the one thing, though, is that I knew that people cared so heavily about the Lord of the Rings movies that I completely changed my coverage of them. I think it was like after I recorded Fellowship of the Ring, I was like, oh, I need to like spend more time on these because people have a lot to say about them. Mm -hmm. And I ended up covering them for like a solid three months longer than I planned to do originally. I knew it was something that people really, really cared about. And for me, I was like, I want to do them. I don't know. I kind of want to give them a fair shot or give them um, kind of like do them justice since I knew that people listening uh, held them like so dearly yeah. in terms of the fandom. Um, what, what you said earlier that I think speaks to to both of our shows and also just the making a podcast is like, first and foremost, our podcasts are about our experience. And that's something that sometimes people, if they disagree, they'll say like, oh, you think your opinion so important. Well, like, yeah, the show is about my experience with like, hi, this is about me. Yeah. Like <laughs> in, in the least selfish way, like inherently the show is about like my experience 
as being an adult that is brand new to the fandom. It is not like a Harry Potter general show. It's not like just a Harry Potter commentary show. Like it is specifically about me going through this process. And I think sometimes people don't understand that. And a thing that people also don't understand is, is as we were talking about trying to make things entertaining, part of that is also I am more hyperbolic on the podcast than I am in real life. Because when you listen to a podcast, it is a lot easier to say, oh, Snape, he's the worst. I hate him. He sucks. As opposed to being, well, if you really look at the nuances of Snape and you consider his bad, like every episode would be a million years long if you continue to hedge and and justify and say all this yeah. stuff. Like sometimes for the sake of time and for the sake of conversation, it is just easier when you are creating an entertainment podcast to take a more definitive stance because it's more fun and it's it makes for an easier discussion to be like, ah, this is good. This is bad. As opposed to like, well, if you look at yeah. the gray areas between the two, like, oh, you know, <laughs> the amount me. of times I have to I have to tell people uh, it's again, like it's usually just on social media or something. I have to be like, hey, have you heard of a thing called a joke? Right. <laughs> or that or also, humor. Mm-hmm, that also <laughs> like like this happens. is this is a joke. Uh, I don't mean this literally. Mm-hmm. This is an iCarly meme about The Hobbit in the year 2021. <laughs> it's not that serious. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of people who who have jokes and and even even like giant whoosh moments where I did a, an episode covering the fifth movie and I was doing it with a couple of my buddies that I did improv with in Seattle. So it was very bit heavy and we were going off on tangents and it was very fun. And at one point we decided that David Yates, the director of the film, we decided that he was from Kentucky and and the whole joke is that clearly he's British like he's certainly British so we just kept saying like on and on like he's from Kentucky he's from Kentucky anytime we talk about David Yates we gave him a southern accent and I got a lot of emails from people like actually David Yates is from England I don't know why you kept saying he was from Kentucky it's like because I was making a a joke joke. on my comedy podcast it's a joke people let's yeah so this is something that uh, is very like weird for me now as I'm starting to wrap up some of more Tolkien's more like major works. And like I said, I'm kind of going into this like black hole of I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> um, how did you feel upon completing certain milestones of the story? So like completing each book versus finishing the whole series versus starting the movies for me, I felt when I finished the books, I felt it was a very like momentous occasion. And I was like, wow, that's sure. cool. I just did that thing. And then when I finished the movies, I almost felt some kind of like sadness of saying goodbye to this story that I had just been covering for, you know, over a year, like a year and a half at that point, I think. Now I'm in I the Hobbit has totally gone bl- totally gone by for me in a absolute blur. I mean, partially <laughs> due because it's it's so much shorter and so much faster. And I have no clue how I'm going to feel when I finish the Hobbit, and no clue how I'm going to feel when I finish the movies. So I don't know if you can relate to any of that weirdness. <laughs> of, no, totally. Of yeah, reaching these milestones. Yeah, I think anytime I finished a book, it was it was nice. The big thing was. It was it was always a nice sense of relief whenever I progressed through the stories because then I would just get closer to not having to worry about getting spoiled because that was always like Yo, such same. a big concern. Oh my god! It was so hard. And then the movies, it was it was just fun because then I got to do something different and that was cool. When it got to getting beyond the movies, I wasn't necessarily dreading it because I knew there was other stuff out there that was going to be fun to cover, and I also knew from people recommending different spinoffy things to me that it was going to be a lot of 
fun. And also for me, I'm I'm someone that doesn't like to just do the same thing over and over again. I don't like feeling like I'm in a in a monotonous rut of just falling into a routine. So it was nice for me to to get to new chapters. I would just get the excitement of getting to take a different approach to Harry Potter stuff. So I, I never really had that dread. It was more of just like with the books, just that relief of like, cool, now I'm now I'm free. That was the biggest thing. When I finished the books, then it was like, I can guest on any show I want. I can have any guest on that I want. I can listen to any show that I want. I can do live shows. I can attend the live shows. I can be a part of any discussion. I don't have to be on a round yeah. table at LeakyCon and be like, hello, everyone. If everybody could not ask any questions related to <laughs> chapter 18 of book about, six yeah. or more. Yeah, like not have to put these limitations on people yeah. when I did things. Things. It was it was just so re- so relieving. in uh, in our Discord server. I created a separate thread for Tolkien about that was like a spoil like spoiler yep. full zone, and then I just mm-hmm. muted it. And then when I finished the books, I was like, oh my god, I can go in it, and I like scrolled yeah, all yeah. the way back to the beginning, and I read all these things that people were saying mm-hmm. about me. <laughs> being mm-hmm. like oh no she's not gonna like this two weeks from now or, or or whatever so a few quick listener questions before we wrap up our conversation nora asks do you regret not having consumed uh harry potter or lord of the rings earlier putting aside that you now have cool jobs well you have a cool job i have a fun side hobby that takes up a lot of my time (laughs) um (laughs) thinking purely about the work and the fandom surrounding them so do you regret not having consumed harry potter earlier in life i don't because my reason for not doing it and looking back it makes me really proud of eight-year-old mike schubert is that i read some fantasy novels and I just never liked them as a kid. And even now, like fantasy is not my vibe. I enjoyed Harry Potter, but I think Harry Potter is a book about kids that happen to be wizards. Uh, it's not about wizards who are kids. Whereas I think the Lord of the Rings is much more high fantasy. And I just, I just yeah. don't have it. Everyone's like, you should do the same podcast for Lord of the Rings. And I'm, I just don't have any interest in doing it. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't regret it because when I was younger, I knew when it came, when Harry Potter came out, I had already read fantasy books and decided I didn't like them. And the reason I didn't do it is just, I knew I wasn't going to like it. And everyone's like, you should do it. You should do it. And the only reason I would have read it is because people told me to read it. And that's not a good reason to do anything. So I very much appreciated that eight-year-old Mike Schubert did not cave in his, his stance of, no, I'm not doing this. Like, I didn't fall into peer pressure. It was, it was like, you know, saying no to drugs, but the drug is is a book series that everyone says that you're going to like when Um, you know you're not going to like it. I have the same story with Harry Potter where everyone was telling me as a kid to read Harry Potter and I was like, no, I'm not going to do... I was such a pretentious child. I was like, (laughs) no, I'm not going to read what everyone else is reading. I'm going to read a series of unfortunate events because I'm... Those books were great. They were so good. Um, And then I did, however, pick up the books after they had all been published because I was like, see, this is my own personal choice now yeah and that's totally fine (laughs) i also don't regret not having i think i might be using too many double negatives um (laughs) (laughs) you're happy with your choice (laughs) yeah i'm happy with my choice because like i said lord of the rings is not a fun read uh at least harry potter is fun and it's lighthearted. yeah you can breeze through it it's super easy lord of the rings is not a fun read and the movies the movies are good movies but i mean like especially i mean like 
y'all have heard my opinions about the lack of women in this series. You know, now imagine what they were when I was a teenager. <laughs> like they would, it would have been <laughs> amplified by a million. You know, um, so I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have enjoyed it. I just would have been like, yeah, it's a bunch of people fighting over a ring inexplicably. Yeah. Whatever, oh, you know, for sure. And I never would have got through the Harry Potter books if it wasn't for Potterless. If I wasn't doing Potterless, I would have stopped. I would have stopped at the beginning of book five. I just would have said this. Well, or I would least, have just said screw this. At least you this would have bad. made it. You would have made it to book five. I wouldn't have made it through the first chapter of Fellowship of the Ring, <laughs> truthfully. Yeah, yeah truthfully. Yeah. Uh, Renee asks, do you think you would have had many different opinions if you had read it at a younger age? I definitely would have been less critical about stuff. And I wouldn't have been as adept at pointing out some things that looking back aren't great. I also feel like if I read it when I was younger, I would have liked Harry. Whereas now, like, Harry is so frustrating and <laughs> so annoying that, uh, but eventually, like, book seven, Harry, he matures so quickly, and I have a lot of respect for the growth that he goes through. But I feel like if I read it as, like, a teenager, for example, I would have agreed with his more teenager behavior whereas in a as an adult just oh you're like oh you're my being God. so dramatic just come on go to, go to mcgonagall <laughs> right you're so much more up. clear-headed yeah um <laughs> what like opinions would i've had differently maybe i would have enjoyed some of the characters more like boromir or something because maybe mm. like i wouldn't have been as scorned by men <laughs> As a, as a teenager, you know, I hadn't learned how the world works at that point, right, you know. Right, right. <laughs> Ryan asks, is there a character or quote or moment from these worlds that has become so dear to your heart that you can't imagine not knowing about it? Which side note, that's just like a very like what a tender, like poignant that's question. A great one. Yeah, I really enjoy it. <laughs> I think there there's maybe like a couple quotes from the books that I can't think of off the top of my head. But um, Tolkien is such a wonderful writer. He writes a lot of like really beautiful things that I'm sure I am a better person for having read those things. I just can't remember any of them <laughs> right now. Yes, there is one. I don't have a whole lot of quotes memorized from the books, but one that I do enjoy from Kingsley Shacklebolt. He says, every human life is worth the same and worth saving. And I thought that one was really good. And as far as like not knowing quotes, but just like general things, I've I've always appreciated Ginny Weasley as a character. I just think that she is really solid in terms of towing the line between knowing when to be serious and knowing when to be funny. And I feel like she does a good job of adapting to the situation situation around her and doing what is needed for her and for whoever is there. So when Harry's being a jerk, she smacks him into line. Yeah. When Fred and George are being silly, she joins in on the fun. And I've always used that as inspiration. So I think that has always stood out for me. And as a joke... I always enjoyed Voldemort's theatrics, and I like that he does a thing that a couple characters do in the series where they do the 80s action movie thing where they enter they enter the, the scene on a dramatic line of dialogue that someone else says. And there's at one point when Harry is talking to Bellatrix in the book, in the fifth book, he she's craw- calling out, apologizing to Voldemort for failing the task, and he says, Voldemort can't hear you now, and he basically kicks the door down and goes, can't I, Potter? And that's become like a running joke throughout the podcast. It started as a joke, but more like a series thing if anyone tries to tell me i can't do something there is a little like silly voldemort voice inside my head that goes like can't i <laughs> to yeah. flip it on people especially because like there was a lot of people who did not believe in potterless the first person to write a long think piece about my podcast ended it by saying that i 
might not make it in podcasting. I might just be a guy who had a good idea and then didn't deliver Jokes on it. On you now. So yeah, for sure. So I I appreciate like that, even though it started as a joke and it is from a terrible person in the books, flipping someone saying I can't into flipping can't around, I yeah. is something yeah, yeah. I have tried to uh, um, tried to keep in my. I life. will say it is really fun for me on social media. Um, a lot of my posts will sometimes just like randomly gain traction and if they don't like click on the profile and then click on like the account that's linked in the bio, they won't see that it's a woman running it. And so I do Mm. get a lot of assumptions that it's just like a straight white man running this account. And so it is fun to reply to those every now and then with the, with AON pulling her helmet off going, I am no man. Yes. Very good. I love it. Oh, and I, and I will say actually the moment where, and it actually was kind of like a more iconic moment for the podcast too, where Sam carries Frodo up the mountain. That had become a running joke sort of leading up to that moment because I had made this random prediction that I had this image in my head where Sam was going to carry Frodo up the mountain like Stanley carries Zero up the mountain in the movie Holes. Oh, yo. <laughs> and my I favorite made... book of all time. <laughs> I made that prediction well before it happened. And I was like, I just had this image in my head. And it's I just realized it's I'm just imagining the movie Holes, but it's just Frodo and Sam. And everyone was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then like that actually happened. That's happens. great. Oh, that's um, so great. But it's actually, a, it turns into like a very beautiful moment. And I used that for the times where like I was getting flooded with like hate comments from stuff. And then I had a bunch of people who were coming to my defense and, and being like, get out of here. Like we don't want. That's awesome. We don't want haters like listening to our content and stuff. And I was like, sometimes in life you are sam and you have to carry your friends up the mountain as they're going through a hard time and you can't carry you know whatever it is that's bothering them but you can help them with it and then sometimes you're frodo and your friends are having to carry you up the mountain awesome yeah and then last question is from christina she says what has been the most surprising thing about the story for 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 me it was in book seven, and spoiler, if anybody doesn't know Harry Potter spoilers, the the biggest one is just like how many people died in book seven. Like oh, they yeah, just start dying left lot. and right. And I think the biggest, I think the biggest shock was the serious one was very abrupt in book five. But I always thought that one of Sirius or Lupin was going to die just from early on. Just you know, like a character who's important enough but not too important that you can't kill him. So I I always like assumed one of those guys was a goner. But specifically when when it got to, you know, the battle and all that, once Lupin and Tonks had a kid, I was like, all right, maybe one of these two will die. But there's no way they're going to kill there's them no both. Like, both that would be way too crushing. And I said that in an episode. I was like, there's no way. If you kill both, that would be way too much. I do not think she would go that far. And then they both die super abruptly. Like, you don't see it happen. It's just like, yeah. Harry was walking by the dead bodies and Lupin and Tonks were there. It's like, what the? Like, out of nowhere. So I think that was the biggest surprise moment. Either that or when Molly says, not my daughter, you to Bellatrix because I didn't think you could curse in those books. Yeah. It was like, I thankfully Kelly was recording secretly recording me while I was reading that chapter. And I out loud said, you can, she can do that. She can curse. (laughs) 
Those are great moments uh, that stick out. Yeah. For me in general, something that surprised me about, um, I guess, just like reading Lord of the Rings is that there's actually like quite a bit of humor to it. You know, when you think of something that was written in, you know, the 1950s, you're like, this is some jokes. Old- jokes weren't invented yet. This is Yeah. <laughs> this is some old timey book. <laughs> it was, you know, it was he wrote it on a. I mean, this is, tr- you know, like he wrote it on a typewriter. Like you can't right. write jokes on a on a typewriter. Not um, at all. But there's like a lot of a lot of really like wonderful humor that comes through with all of the characters. And then uh, I do remember specifically, I mean, spoiler alert, whatever, that Gandalf, I knew that he died and I knew that he would return at some point. I just didn't know like when. And so at the point in the story when he did, I was just like blown away and I absolutely Mm -hmm. lost my mind. Yeah. And it was like everything, the big reveal that. Tolkien wanted it to like build up to be had like a great payoff and then most surprisingly is at the very end of Return of the King in the book there's this whole subplot that Peter Jackson was like we don't have time for that and just threw it out of the movie probably for good reason because it would have added another 20 minutes to the end of the movie and Saruman is revealed to be basically corrupting the Shire and then he gets his throat slit Whoa. It's like suddenly very violent. And and I I, I just did not see that coming because at that point there hadn't been a lot of like random violence. Uh, right. And also how they killed off Saruman in the extended edition of Return of the King 2 is like really surprisingly violent. They have him fall from the tower right. and he gets impaled yeah, yeah. on a spike. And I mm-hmm. screamed when I saw that. I was like, what that is just so unnecessary like the fall would have killed him it like he had just gotten stabbed the fall would have killed him that we didn't need that (laughs) (laughs) i think that'll that'll do it for our little conversation we had a lot to we had a lot to talk about a lot of things to like a, a venn diagram of things to talk about with our experiences cool well mike thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me where can people find you on the internet? Sure. So if you want to find me personally, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at shub17, S-C-H-U-B-E-S-1-7. If you want to follow Potterless, just search uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts or go to our website, potterlesspodcast.com. I also co-host Horse, a basketball podcast that's just about the entertaining aspects of basketball. I have a show, Meddling Adults, where it's a game show for charity where people try to solve children's mysteries and whoever solves more of them from Scooby-Doo, Encyclopedia Brown, whatever, they earn money for charity. And then I'm also working on some new shows. Eventually, Potterless will will stop and will turn into a similar show, but with Percy Jackson. Um, that'll be coming out in a few months. And then I'm currently working on another show, Modern Muckraker, where I'm taking a very intense deep dive into very specific pop culture questions so if you want to see all the stuff that i'm doing i have a personal website it's just shubes s-c-h-u-b dot e-s and it's got all the stuff that i'm doing very cool yeah if you if you like uh mike there are lots of other things lots of other places to to listen to him i'm so a go busy check all boy and i talk a lot <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> sounds like you're doing a lot of content creation <laughs> and that's awesome <laughs> That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org. The cover art is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. 
You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash TalkingAboutPod. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TalkingAboutPod, as well as join the Facebook group, which is linked in the episode description. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash TalkingAboutPod. And if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I would say don't do things because people tell you to do them. Don't get discouraged by people saying that you are bad at whatever you're trying to do. They're probably just jealous or insecure about themselves. Don't let other people sour things that you like, whether it's fandom or, or anything at all. Like the things that you like and, and do them uh, as as long as it's like nice things. <laughs> yeah, nice things only, please. Nice yes, things only. For nice things, please. <laughs> uh, and, and all the stuff we talked about fandom, like it doesn't have to just be high fantasy stuff. You can be a super fan of a video game. I check the Reddit for MLB, the show, a baseball game all the time. That feels like a fandom. You can be a sports fan. You can be a music fan, like whatever it is. This can adapt to all that stuff and just be, be nice and accepting. It's way more fun. It's so much easier and less stressful to be nice than it is to be mean and rude and gatekeeping. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>